What's up, everybody? Welcome back for another episode of Tattoo Wealth. My name is Colton Etherton. I'm your host, certified financial planner, practitioner, and owner of Out of the Office Planning. On this episode, I'm joined by a friend of mine, Brock Buckles, and we talk about life insurance. Um, you know, we kind of cover everything from what it is, what it should be used for, um, the different kinds of life insurance. And we also touch on some of the bullshit that's out there on social media um, and the way some of these policies are sold and what to look for and and hopefully avoid um, when you're looking for life insurance. So just got a quick disclaimer and then we'll get into my episode with Brock. Colton Etherton is a financial advisor and founder of Out of the Office Planning a registered investment advisor in Oregon. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not advice. Talk to your advisor if you have any questions. Hey, Brock, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Colton. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm excited uh, to talk about a not exciting topic with you. I think it's important. <laughs> Story and, of my life, dude. Yeah, I bet. I bet. That's. I thought I had it tough. Um, uh. <laughs> awesome. Well, Brock, we're here to talk about some life insurance today, which, of course, people don't usually want to talk about. It's not fun to also talk about your possible death, of course. Um, but super important when it comes to the overall planning process and, you know, protecting people's wealth that they're either building or have built. So I think, you know, touching on this topic is a necessity. Yeah. Um, and before we kind of dive into life insurance and different kinds and all that fun stuff, can you give me a quick little intro, who you are, who you work with, that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely, man. So uh, Brock Buckles, obviously, you know, for but for the people listening, Brock Buckles, uh, based out of Indianapolis, Indiana, although we work in all 50 states. And a um, little bit of background on me. I was at Northwestern Mutual for about six years before I decided I, I didn't like the culture. I didn't want to sling everybody permanent life insurance. And I uh, didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to help people. I, I didn't know I was going to be in the insurance industry, but my partner and I, Peter Travolo, created BC Brokerage um, to work exclusively with fee-only financial planners, just like you, um, to help facilitate you know, risk management in a, in a positive way and in a way to where clients aren't going to be upsold and don't have to worry about the intention behind um, what's going on. So we mm-hmm. solve problems instead of selling them. Awesome. I love that. Love that yeah. little phrase at the end there. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's a big, big disclaimer when it comes to life insurance. Um, so let's touch on something you said real quick there, and that's fee-only planners. And I want to distinguish there because I think that is a big, another big point, you know, before we kind of dive into the different types of insurance and all that stuff, but they're not the same, right? So there's the fee only planners, myself included, and then your typical life insurance agents um, that also sometimes call themselves advisors. Yeah. And you kind of do a quick uh, distinguishing between those two for me? Yeah. So, you know, the, the biggest thing with the commission-based advisors or the uh, big Fortune 500 companies, the big life insurance companies that you always hear is really that um, number one, a lot of them are captive. So they're going to try to bring a product to you, whether it's life insurance or disability income or annuities or long-term care and sell you on why you should buy their product. 
right? And why you're buying them rather than how they can help you kind of solve your situation. Now, not every commission-based advisor out there is like a horrible person, right? But, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair but enough. at the same time, um, when, you, when you talk about fee only, you're just simply talking about the standard because you guys aren't compensated for insurance. So your recommendations and what you're saying about insurance in regards to, to, to the client's financial plan is coming from a fiduciary standard and, and you guys aren't going to be compensated for it. So you don't have any other interest than just to recommend the thing that actually fits into their comprehensive financial plan, which is the way that it should be. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and just to hit on that fiduciary term again, real quick, simply meaning I have to put clients interest first and right. any other advisors that are a fiduciary have to do the same, exactly. which is something you'd think would be the standard. Um, and kind of like, yeah, no shit, but yeah, realistically it's not, which is unfortunate. Um, okay. Awesome. So thanks for quickly breaking that down. And now I kind of want to transition into, you know, what is life insurance, maybe the, the purposes for it and the different kinds. Um, yeah. So, I mean, starting just in the beginning, what do you think the main, what would you say the main purpose is for getting life insurance? Like what is, who, who really needs it? Yeah, that's a That's a great question. And there's a few different ways to go about it. It depends on the type, but let's just start with plain old vanilla term, right? Cool. So like the most basic type of insurance. So that's, you know, essentially I always tell people that's essentially you putting your premium on the table, whether that's 50 or a hundred dollars and the insurance putting insurance company, putting their death benefit on the table, whether that's 500 or a million dollars. And every month that you continue to live, they take your money and say, would you like to keep doing this? And as long as you pay the premium until the term expires, mm -hmm. um, you're going to have that coverage, right? But when we're looking at why people need life insurance in general, there's a few things that people typically think about. So one is paying off debt, right? Mm -hmm. um, this, the second thing is um, continuation uh, of lifestyle. So if something were to happen, how many years would you want to replace that income for your spouse, because a lot of people, when they're buying things or they're purchasing things as a family, they're doing that with the intention and understanding that they're going to have those two incomes, right? Correct. Um, so, so that's the second thing. And then the third thing would be that we see is the biggest thing is kids' education. So um, that's one of the things that adds up very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you know, if you're talking about two or three kids, you can get to that million dollar number really quickly, depending on if they yes, want to go sir. to a state school or Harvard. <laughs> yeah. So that's. I'm glad you kind of mentioned the, you know, those main points. Cause that's exactly, you know, like for myself and my wife, why we did that, you know what I mean? A yeah. few years ago. Um, and I even went as far as getting the same amount for my wife as I did myself, even though at yep. that point, you know, income levels were different. Right. And most people, I'm sure you'd agree, kind of think that you need the maybe a higher policy on the higher earner. In a, yeah. A lot of times you do. It, it, um, it's, it's such a, it's, it depends so much. So on the, on what the goals are of the, of the couple, mm -hmm. because some people literally just want to pay off the debt and they're like, you'll get remarried and figure it out, figure <laughs> it out. And then some people are like, if something happens to me, I want my wife or my husband or spouse to be taken care of for literally the rest of their lives. And they don't have yeah. to think about anything. So it, it does depend. Yeah. So I, cause yeah, cause we got the same on both of us at that point, you know, and at, at that point she was, um, she's a nurse, but she was only working a couple shifts a month, you know, mostly doing stay at home with the kids and that kind of thing. Um, roles have since kind of reversed, you know, where I'm home more and working from home with my business. And she's now working, uh, in a, in a pediatric clinic, but you know, at the time I got the same for her because my idea was, you know, shit, man, if something happens to my wife, 
she does a lot around here that I'm going to need yep. someone else to help me do. You know what I mean? Yep. And yep. Of course, you know, um, whether it's like, I don't know, cleaning around the house or helping with the kids when, you know, if I have meetings and that kind of thing, like there's just so much that she did. And, you know, yeah. mentioning our transition, you know, a lot that I'm kind of filling in now, but uh, yeah, I think it's outside of just the um, kids college and paying off our mortgage and that kind of thing and having a cushion, you know, as well as just like, Hey, I'm gonna have to actually pay some people to probably help with this yeah. you know, in a different light. Whereas with her, you know, if I were to pass, it's replacing the income to that I was making to kind of support the family. And so it's, yeah, it, it's a, it, it's, it's a common misconception with, with, uh, people who stay at home or even complete stay at home spouses to think that, oh, they don't need very much life insurance. Now, do yep. they need as much as the working spouse? A lot of times, no. And a lot of, a lot of planners go by that philosophy. Yeah. But at the and same I, time, it's, it's one of those overboard. things like you said. Yeah. No, and it's but it's it's great because it's it is a matter of but you do have the kids and you don't realize sometimes people think well they're not making a lot of money but they're saving the family a lot of money by not yep. having to pay for that that childcare so it's yeah. a huge thing and I'd rather you know my my thinking was I'd rather pay a little bit more each month in premium which wasn't a lot at all just for yep. that added peace of mind you know what I mean yeah and now since then I haven't had to really be concerned about it you know because I know that's there yep should something happen so that's always the goal man i always tell yeah. people that it's like i know that this is not fun to talk about like i talk about mortality and morbidity so what happens <laughs> you get sick or you pass away right which is yeah. not like the most exciting thing to think about but for most people it's like you said you just put it on autopilot and then you don't have to think about it like you see it coming out you know you're covered you know you have the protection but it's not something that you should wake up every day and think about oh i'm glad i have life insurance like no one wants to live that way Right. Yeah. It's not something you wake up and you're excited to go by. No, um, no. <laughs> definitely right. not a car. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get to go sign my life insurance documents today. Uh, <laughs> said nobody fucking ever. Yeah. Um, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know. uh, All right. So we covered term basic and I don't know if we hit on, but you can obviously get that. Uh, hence the name term in different time ranges. Right. So, yep. um, Common ones, 10, 20, 30. Yeah, 10, 15, 20, 15. 30. Yeah, and then yeah. sometimes there, there's annually renewable term after that, and then sometimes there's increasing terms. I like the level terms because people know how to build it into their budget. They know what they're getting, mm -hmm. and they're not shocked. They're not, there's no sticker shock every time they see that the insurance company has raised the premium year after year. So right. I, like the, I like the level policies. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's surprising how it can't, I mean, of course, depending on the person's health, but it can be pretty cheap when you when you look at it yeah um which you know even when i was getting it i wasn't expecting it to be what it was you know so it's kind of nice yeah um all right so we have we have term what's next what's uh maybe a, a step i don't want to say up because it's not like it's yeah. necessarily an improvement but to the side step to the side Maybe. Yeah, for sure. So you've got, so there's term insurance and then you've got this entire bucket and we won't get, we don't have to get the weeds too much about it, All but right. you've got this entire bucket of permanent insurance, right? So that's variable universal life, universal life. And then the just traditional whole life insurance that is not connected to the market. It's just a dividend credit that the company pays back into it. Mm -hmm. Um, and basically what that is, is it's a, it's a life insurance policy that typically builds a side fund 
that's called the cash value. Um, now, th this is not a bad product. I want to be clear, but it's often oversold and misappropriated to people who do not need a permanent policy. Mm -hmm. So there, there are people out there that, that'll try to sell it as something called a star plan, a strategic tax advantage retirement and tell you how it's taxed as a Roth IRA and it's just a Roth IRA <laughs> on steroids. And it's like puke. Yeah, it's so terrible. Yeah, if you got to um, name it something fancy other than what it is, <laughs> try and make it be something you want it to be, right? It, yeah. Probably a yeah. reason for that. For anybody listening, if anybody's trying to sell you life insurance and the principal reason for the life insurance is not the death benefit or, or the purpose of the life insurance, which is to get paid out to your spouse, um, don't don't listen to that. Or it's, it, you can't run. give it run, run <laughs> down. Yeah. Do, do not listen yeah. to that. I mean, it should always be principally sold. Can it be good in certain situations? Mm -hmm. Sure. It can, right? Like if you've completely run out of other options, you need some sort of tax haven when you've taken advantage of literally everything else. You've done the 401k can, max. You've, you've done, done, all, done all that HSA, everything that you can qualify you can. for. And you've already dabbled in taxable accounts. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, like you're already messing around in stock markets. Exactly. Um, th then it could be a good idea. If you have so much money that there's an actual estate planning problem to where mm -hmm. you're going to need a large chunk of cash. Well, a term insurance policy may work, but then we're betting on, are you going to pass away before the term runs out? Right. So that's right. not a good play. Another good time where permanent insurance can be used. Um, long-term care policies, there are hybrid permanent policies that can be used and they don't raise the premiums, which is better than a lot of the things on the long-term care market. And then also yep. when, when it comes to special needs planning, if there's a member of a family who has special needs and there will be, there will need to be care after the caretakers pass away, there needs to be an injection of cash into the plan. It could be a good option for that too. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. but a lot of people try to sell it as a golden goose egg and it's just not. Yeah. As it, as a, uh, multi-tool if you will yeah kind of does everything yeah people will call it a swiss army knife but it's, it's yeah once again that's the sales term yeah for sure yeah <laughs> uh, so how I'm trying to think how to word this with the with the with the permanent policy um i mean realistically we're talking really high income at, at that point correct for yeah. people that it's a actually makes legitimate sense. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because obviously you need enough to max out the 401k and all the other accounts and still save in a regular taxable brokerage account. Um, and I see a lot of, a lot of the talk on TikTok and Instagram and, you know, other places about these. So I'm glad that you kind of touched on that too, with calling it, would you say a star star plan or yeah something? one guy called it a star plan he was the he was a top selling rep at one of these companies for a long time he actually got in big trouble for it but yeah he called it a strategic tax advantage retirement plan yeah coming up with yeah. a, a fancy name for right life insurance. and it's in the stars like it's up in the you know it's like yeah. <laughs> shoot for the stars this is your goal yeah this is oh, amazing God. yeah it's, it's um, ridiculous okay so let's let's say you know we get to the point where maybe for some reason it couldn't make sense to to look at permanent insurance um one of the big things that i've seen and people have problems with is the um illustration right what they kind of show there so when they show it to people it looks really really good right yeah yeah how can we kind of discern fact from fiction when looking at that like what is 
Can you give us a couple of quick things to? Yeah, I mean the, the biggest the biggest thing to realize, and what I call that, Colton, is over-illustrated, underperforming illustrations um, and policies. Yeah. And you know the the biggest thing that you can look at when it comes to that is number one the um, company's rating. So whether it's Ambest, Fitch, um, Standard and Poor's, Moody's, right? Those are all going to have a rating for the company, and you. Can, mm-hmm. It's also going to be public knowledge as to what their dividend rate has been, what they've actually statistically paid into the policies for the past however many years, right? And okay. you can see if that's on a decline or if it's going up. Um, some companies actually have pretty competitive whole life products, you know, in, in terms of like policies that will perform relatively well. Um, Mass Mutual has a good product that if you just want a plain, you know, whole life policy, mm-hmm. that could be a, a that's a better option than the other options. Yeah. Now, if once you jump again, out of bed wanting a whole life policy. If you jump out of bed with, <laughs> yeah, and you're driving in your car with your head out the window and your hair blowing in the wind, you want a whole life policy that bad. That could be a good option. All right. Um, but that that's a big thing. You just got to look. I mean, you have to look at the history of the company. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, I want to kind of, we, we kind of already touched on how much you need for life insurance. Kind of, sort of. Not totally. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you'd consider outside of, you know, debts to pay off, the, you know, kids' education, if that's something they want to pay for, and spousal needs? Um, is there any other big areas we missed before we kind of move on? Um, no, those are the three main, or those okay. are the three or four main that I usually talk to people about. I mean, and, and those numbers can be radically different because some mm-hmm. people are like, I want you to have the dream home if I pass away, you know? Yeah. So, and, and it does happen. And, and the financial planner can be like, you're going to be living above your means. You don't need to do that. And he's like, I don't care. I want her to have that house or I want her to have that house. So, um, but okay. no, those are the, those are the main, main things to cover. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. And then, ooh, before we have a, let's talk taxability of life insurance real quick too, as far as, yep. I'm sure people have questions on that, right? If I buy a million dollar policy, yep. my wife gets paid out or my husband gets paid out, partner, whatever, right? other person, kids, um, million dollars, are they now on the hook for taxes on this million dollars? So am I buying a million dollar policy, but they're only going to get, you know, 600 grand or whatever? Yeah. Um, so let's, let's clarify that before moving on to my next question here. Yes. So life insurance death benefits are not taxable. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Period. Pretty, pretty simple. Life insurance death benefits are not taxable. So that means you buy a million dollar, million dollar policy, you pass away, spouse or beneficiary of the policy gets the million dollars. Boom. Yep. Does not change their taxable income. So yep. they're not now making say 1 million and $50,000 in that year. Yep. Um, a million tax-free. Yeah. So you can actually, you don't jump, you don't jump several tax brackets just to yeah. get a life insurance <laughs> payment. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely not. Uh, perfect. And so that's, that's good to note because that also, you know, I could see people thinking maybe they have to adjust for taxes on how much they actually buy. Right. Right. Um, right. Which you don't, don't need you to don't. do. No. Um, now next I want to kind of dive into this idea. And again, going back to social media and talking about life insurance um, yeah. of it's like, how, how can these policies, these whole life or permanent policies really go wrong? Uh, and that's kind of talking about this banking on yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Idea. Yeah. Um, Infinite banking. Yeah. Where we've seen people really tout it as this big idea where you can put money in, you take it out, you can go buy real estate and then you, you know, use it for whatever. Yeah. And 
Um, but I think there's a lot there that could go wrong. Correct. And I'd love for you to touch on that because I fear that with the rise of these kind of posts on social media, people are going to try to start doing this without yep. fully understanding on the back end. Right. And of course, some of these sales people will be more than happy to sell said policy. Right. Um, and people can really get in, in over their heads, um, un- unknowingly with these policies. So I'd love to kind of get your take on that, you know, on this bank on yourself, infinite banking, um, yeah. what <clears throat> the idea is behind it and how it actually couldn't work. Or doesn't yeah. Work. So the, <clears throat> it's important to, um, talk about the differences, number one, of being able to take money out of a permanent life insurance policy one day for something that you want to buy or for something, and you've done all of those things and maxed out all the other accounts. You can't do that, right? Mm-hmm. But that's that's not the concept we're talking about here. Yeah. What we're talking about, and a lot of times how it's sold is, unfortunately, to pay off debt. So people will say, oh, you've got $20,000, $30,000 of credit card debt. Well, you know, you can be your own bank so that you don't have to borrow any money to be able to pay that thing back, right? And so mm-hmm. they'll say, well, once the cash value builds up, we'll pay off your biggest debt, right? So we'll get your cash value. We'll, make, we'll put $1,000 a month into this thing or $2,000 a month into this thing. And then once the cash value gets up to 15, 20 grand, we'll borrow from the cash value via a loan to pay that credit card off. And then- you'll be debt-free and you'll be paying yourself back into this cash value account, right? That's not taxable. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, here's some of the issues, right? It can become taxable if it, la- if it lapses anything over the principle of what you put into it, right? Okay. Number can one. We, so that Explain that yeah. a little bit more for-, yeah, for some people. definitely. So what happens when a policy lapses, or how does that, how does that happen? I'm so if you decide- yeah, if you decide you want to cancel it, if you can no longer fund it, if you're not going to pay the premiums, you can have that start eating, eating into the cash value of the policy. But mm-hmm. say that you just wanted to cash the policy out one day, right? And you had put in, you have $50,000 of that you've put into the cash value, but it now has $75,000 in the cash value. They try to sell it as something that's tax-free, but that is only, you're only allowed to borrow it tax-free in a form of a loan, which still accumulates interest, right? Yeah. But if you cash the policy out, you are now obligated to pay tax on anything over that basis. So over that $50,000, you have to pay for it. So not a big fan of, of people trying to sell it that way. The other thing is, is that you're trying to solve a behavioral spending problem of racking up credit card debt with paying into a permanent policy. So now you've added to your expenses. And the only way that said strategy even works is if you don't spend more money on your credit cards, which you already have the tendency to do. Right. So you, can, you don't go you can, and right. start the fucking cycle again and <laughs> exactly you're back square one. And, and I would just tell you the dirty little secret on the insurance agent side of it is, and you can just keep selling them more policies and more policies and more policies and the commissions that you're going to be making are going to be huge on these things. Mm-hmm. So that's the other sick side when they're sitting there across from the table smiling at you, right? About how you need to put several thousand dollars a month into these infinite banking policies to pay off all your debt because it's the golden goose eggs. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not, it's just simply not the case. And it's it, at the end of the day, it's just a, it's a big commission play for the agent. Yep. Exactly. Yep. That's what it boils down to. They get yep. paid a hefty 
commission hefty yeah on the back end so and i think um some people may look at that or they may also try to sell it right it's like you you don't pay me anything you don't have to pay me anything i am right. quote unquote advising you yep on this um but realistically you are paying on the back end right yeah. because it's uh what five seven percent more commission yeah. sometimes right oh yeah no it could be i mean on a policy like that you could see somewhere up upwards of 50 50 percent yeah so someone i mean this is this is not the same situation this wasn't sold as an infinite banking but to take a quick detour i recently yeah. saw a 21 year old sold a forty thousand dollar a year um permanent life insurance policy i actually tweeted about this yeah i remember Perm the situation yeah permanent life insurance policy and so the agent on that so if you manage $40,000 for somebody, the amount of money that you're going to make on that is virtually nothing. Right. 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 Okay. If I, if you sell somebody a $40,000 a year whole life policy, you can make 20 grand. So yeah, that is, that's it, why, ugh. that's why they're doing it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so but we're putting the word out there. So I'm the bad yeah. guy for all the, all the, all the guys trying to sell infinite banking. I'm, I'm your, uh, I'm the evil superhero. Yeah. You better get some insurance on yourself here. <laughs> I, uh, I know, man. <laughs> get you some bodyguards or something. My fiance is going to be lucky, man. Like the, uh, like the, what is it? The Tinder swindler? Your enemies are yeah, after you? Yeah, I haven't, I need to watch that. I haven't <laughs> yeah. seen it yet. I'm partly yes. through. I can't, I don't know if I can finish it. Um, but yes, not a fan of the okay. infinite banking. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah. you can easily get yourself in a hole, blow it up. Yep. Yep. Although it seems like you're not paying for advice or for the, product or paying the person whatever you are because on the back end they're pushing something that's going to pay them a yeah. good commission um yeah. and some of these also have surrender policies yes oh yeah a lot of, well so the whole lives traditionally not, don't but the I, things like iul typically will so they'll have a surrender schedule if it's in the first several years and i mean i tell you what we have to tell life. people to yeah we tell people to we tell people to bite the bullet on them all the time because the mm -hmm. option is either you pay five thousand dollars to get out of this thing or you're going to pay you know, 200,000 to stay in it. So yeah. it's better to just, you know, unfortunately, sorry that, sorry that this happened to you, but um, hopefully there's people listening to this right now that we can stay from it. Yeah. So careful with those, make sure you check for surrender, surrender charges. Cause those can uh, bite you in the ass. I've definitely yep. seen that as well. My old firm with some annuities. Um, yep. Now kind of covered the big life insurance issues i believe is there anything else you think people should really um pay attention to or know about life insurance outside um, of what we've, I, we've covered so far no i mean i would just say you know make sure that when you're talking to somebody and make sure you're talking to somebody like colton i'm sure there's a reason that a lot of people are listening to this but there are a lot of people out there that will sell you life insurance call it an investment tell you it's going to be great when you get to retirement um, you know, not talk about the cost of insurance, make you think that all the premiums that you're paying into this thing go straight into the cash value. It's not mm -hmm. the case. Part of it goes to pay for the insurance that you have. And that Part big ass commission on the back end. And the big ass commission on the back end. <laughs> exactly. So just, just know it. If, it se if something seems too good to be true in the world of insurance, I can promise you that it is. So let's expand know, that to the world of finance. If it seems too yeah. good to be true. A hundred percent, man. If somebody's trying, if someone's telling you they can double your money every month, or, you yeah. know, if you can recruit all your friends to sell an energy drink, you, just, you, need, to, you need to start thinking about that. Yeah. 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 For sure. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Can we, 
before we kind of wrap up and, and hang it up here, I'd love to, and I didn't talk about, we didn't talk about this before, but a quick little brief on disability insurance. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, yeah. Because especially with tattoo artists, right? They're susceptible to being out of work if something happens to their hand, right? They're <laughs> that they tattoo with. Um, yep. You know, you and I have talked about this previously before, and there's some issues there, you know, that we've kind of come across, I believe, with tattoo artists. Yep. Um, and so it kind of leaves them with the option, right, of disability insurance and trying trying to get it and go that route yeah. versus yeah. kind of self-insuring, if if you will, right, with a yeah. bigger yeah. Um, emergency savings and that kind of thing. Um, so if you could just do a quick little disability insurance yeah. primer, if you will, and, and go from yeah. there. Yeah, man. So the biggest thing, I mean, the, the, the thing about disability income insurance, right, is it goes to protect your income or goes to pay you if something were to happen and you weren't able to continue working. So mm -hmm. usually it's 15% loss of time or income, whichever one comes first. Um, and that's how you actually qualify for it. But what it would go is, is it goes to replace what you're making now so that you're not taking nearly as big of a hit. So a lot of times I start the conversation with people and ask them, Hey, what do you think your biggest asset is? And nine times out of 10 people say, well, my car or my house or, and I challenge them with that. It's like, it's actually your, your ability to make money because that's what your human capital, if you will. your human capital, right? Exactly. That's what allows you to continue to, to do all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, and so usually for about one to 2% of what you're making, um, you can have a disability income policy to where if something were to happen and you couldn't work for an extended period of time, it would replace a portion of that income. So, you know, 70 to 80% of what you were making and, you know, just would allow you to um, not only stay on your own two feet, but a lot of times, depending on the, the size of the policy or what people have, continue to save for retirement because mm -hmm. most people aren't going to be disabled forever. The average is about two and a half years, right? Okay. And that means there's a lot of people that are disabled for six to eight months. And there's some people that are disabled for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, for tattoo artists, it's a little bit more difficult, but there are companies that are out there and will do it. And for someone who relies on something, um, to create art, a very, and very specific art, I have tattoos. So, you know, you want your guy to have a stable hand when he's doing the artwork. Right. Yep, yep. Uh, and, and so for whatever reason he messes his hand up or she messes her hand up, it just would provide that supplemental income to allow them to get back on their feet. Awesome. Yeah. Um, now <laughs> this may be. I don't say a touchy subject, but just we got we got to cover it. How do they look at what your income actually is? Because yeah, as people know in the industry, that sometimes there's cash payments and cash payments go in my you know in a pocket. Yeah, um, sometimes. And so yeah. you know, looking at actual income maybe versus whatever can be looked at for disability insurance or you know what what do they look at there to determine hey here's how much one we're going to charge you and how much we'll replace for you. Yeah, that's a great question, man. So there are some companies that are starting to actually come out with no financial underwriting, which is okay. a pretty interesting concept. Yeah. Um, I recently got one and, and my occupation is different than a tattoo artist, but I recently got one and I didn't have to do any financial underwriting for it. Um, now, if there is financial underwriting with the company that is involved um, or that you're trying to apply for, they are going to look at what you legally made based on your last um, you know, 1099 or your last two tax returns. A lot of times they'll take, you know, if you're new in the industry or your income is substantially higher this year, they'll take the last two or three years and they'll average it out to say, Hey, we'll give you $4,000 a month 
mm-hmm. if something were to happen to stay afloat. Um, and the important thing to remember is in a private disability policy, which is what we're talking about here, because most of the time there's not a group policy for tattoo artists. Yeah. The um, shop's not shop's not putting on a group policy typically. Right. Then it's, you're going to receive that, that amount that is the benefit completely. Um, it's going to be after tax. So you're not going to be taxed on that amount. That's actually going to be what's deposited into your bank account by the uh, company. If you were to be disabled. Okay. And that's, and that's good. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I forgot to, to talk about that part. Um, especially when you're looking at only replacing a percentage of your income. Right. But presumably yep. some of that, that you're not getting back is going to taxes, right? If you're looking at, Hey, I'm only, I'm getting a policy that pays 70% of, of my income, but basically yep. a lot of that 30% is going to be what you spend towards tax anyways. So what you would have spent anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Cool. Okay. Um, so something to consider, but there can be slight difficulties in achieving it or attaining it. Correct. There could be some hurdles to jump through. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know how many people you work with or if you work with any that are like tattoo shops where they debut to their artists. Um, I don't, I don't know. I currently work with, I've heard of a few, but it's gotta be a thing. Um, There's a couple. There's a couple. Yeah. So now if that's the case, you could show your W2 and you could probably get insured and they'll, they'll give it to you right away. For people that are W2, typically it's like flash or pay stub. You don't even have to get your last two years worth of tax returns, but for business owner and people that own their own or or kind of 1099 and rent boost space or however they do it. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're typically going to get, they're going to want to look at tax returns unless it's a company that doesn't require financial underwriting. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Well, Brock, I really appreciate you, uh, being here, joining me today and talking about some not so fun topics that are necessary to talk about and making it fun. I hope. Yeah. Um, any last words you want to leave listeners with before we hop off here? No, I mean, I just want to thank you for the opportunity. Like I said, guys, be careful. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Um, but I had fun laughing with you about the uh, concept of infinite banking, man. <laughs> yeah. It's always a good one. Yeah. My, my wife tries to show me those TikToks. Babe, what yeah. about this? Like you could be, oh. it's like some some 18-year-old with his hair over, like, man, hey, listen, you want to be your own <laughs> bank? Like, you can't. Right. Flash. Get a chase account. Yeah. <laughs> so oh man. Awesome. Well, Brock, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. And uh talk soon. Thanks, Colton.